Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Occasionalists. Matt Pagel here, once again with Adam Chemaluski. Chema, how are we doing today, my man? Living the Southern California dream, man. Very relaxed, just hanging out in the place, and uh, very excited for today's episode. I am excited for today's episode as well. Um, as uh, you out there may or may not know, it is the month of May. I'm sure you've seen Justin Timberlake uh, dominating <laughs> your social media feeds and I'm, I'm not going to lie to you, Chema, I am done with that. Um, oh, and I've been man. done with that for a couple of years. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember, I think the first time, and I might be a late bloomer to this whole thing, but I think the first time I saw that was around 2014, 2015, and that time period. That feels about right. That, that one year, whichever year I saw that, I really enjoyed it. The next year, when they brought it back the first couple of times, I'm like, okay, ever since then, no, I'm done. I'm seriously like, and the thing that even gets me the more now is there's this other meme that circulates like every couple of days before the month of May. And it's like a different, like, it's like a poem, you know, and it's like two lines and the first line is always different. And the second line is, it, it, there is no second line. It's just Justin Timberlake's face. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. that's, w- that's when you know that like this whole thing is just, like not funny anymore spring is you know spring is here when justin timberlake is annoying the fuck out of you on facebook (laughs) right right and and it's one of those deals too where like there's only like a certain like group of people that continuously share this Mm -hmm. meme and if those are the type of people that are sharing the meme that's how you know it's not cool exactly exactly chema and yeah and and just sort of put a little bow on on this little digression here um listen to the song it's me right he says (laughs) me very clearly i mean there's a little twang to it but he says me very clearly um yeah anyway uh (laughs) it's called it's gonna be me the song is called it's going to be me (laughs) right anyway um but since it's may not only that not only the, uh, the the appearance of the Timberlake memes, but here for the occasionalist, that means we are starting in with movie May. Um, we, uh, the last couple of Mays, we've we've dedicated to some new releases, to some old releases. Um, we do we'll, we'll mix it up with, with a bad movie review or a cinema dissection. We we just dedicate the whole month to movies. Um, this year, same thing, uh, but we're going to do it a little bit differently. We're doing our first, I don't know, annual, semi-annual, quadra, I don't know how, I'm assuming we'll probably do this again at some point in time, so. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, I had a, I'm telling you, I had a lot of fun doing the work, looking up these movies and stuff, like, I would love to do something like this yep. again. So this month, it is uh, the Occasionalist first, uh, and we'll just leave the, the next spot there blank, whether it's annual or mm-hmm. however we're going to do it, but the Occasionalist first ever. Uh, short film festival. Uh, Chem and I are going to be are going to be talking short films, um, and in this case, we're we're talking films that uh, at least the ones that we've selected so far that uh, range anywhere from less than two minutes to up to thirty minutes. Um, so, like, there's a, there's a pretty wide selection of movies here, uh, and I will give you the rules that we that I that we kind of well that I I set out and Chema agreed to. We had no problem with. Um, when we were kind of making our selections here. Um, so we each picked four movies, um, each with varying time limits. So like up to 35 minutes, one up to 35 minutes, one up to 15 minutes, one up to five minutes, and one up to two minutes. And we, you know, you could fudge the time a little bit. If you had like a movie that was 36 minutes, not a big deal. In fact, none of us got beyond that. Uh, anyway, so if you fudge the time a little bit, it wasn't a big deal. <clears throat> 
but there were some like caveats here about like things not to include. Um, and Chema, I want to, I, I didn't ask you when, when I was putting this together or, or when we were messaging, but I want to ask you about it now, if you kind of understand like why I went with this, but things that I opted for us not to include no music video movies. Yeah, that one, I definitely kind of understand what you're saying. Like it's I okay. I'm going to try to say this as best as I possibly can here. Like the music, Music video, short films, it is definitely a short film. You are watching a visual mm-hmm. presentation that is not all that long. But I don't know, man. I kind of feel it's just, it's like cheating just a little bit. You know, it's um, mm-hmm. somebody else is like giving you something. And in, in, in the case of Animea, the Paul Thomas Anderson, Tom York short film, mm-hmm. um, or Anomino, however you pronounce it, um, it's like, hey, here's Tom York giving Paul Thomas Anderson three songs. And like, here, buddy, like you think of like what you think of something, you know, and I, I don't know. I kind of think maybe that the process should be a little bit more organic in terms of the development of the script and everything like that, at least for our discussion and everything. And yeah. There was some like specifically separate, you know, music video short film episode that we did. Like, I feel that that's almost like reserved for its own episode and stuff it, like that. You and it, you're you're kind of like pointing out something here that like a lot of times there is no script. We're just talking visuals that either do or a lot of times do not have anything to do with the with what's happening um, in terms right. of the lyrics, in terms of the music. It just sort of it fits together maybe. But like you you and I like I, there's actually a movie that I that I I think you should watch at some point in time that I decided to that I think is like very borderline. Um, mm-hmm. Because the whole movie is scored by the, um, I think it's two people, but if not, it might just be like a DJ, but I think it's two people. Um, this group called Carpenter Brute. And, okay. And the whole movie is scored by them. And uh, like it, it feels almost like this is just a Carpenter Brute music video that's like 30 minutes long. Yeah. Um, but like, but there is a narrative. There is a, like, there's characters that have speaking lines um, there's down periods where there's no music, but like, I felt like, I'm like, you know, it, it almost feels like they did the songs first and then thought of the trippiest thing they could put together for, yeah. for the movie. So mm-hmm. it, it just, it feels like basically what, it, one of the big things was one, like it's a cheat because it's just, there's so many of these. Um, mm-hmm. and you can even make the argument that a regular music video is, is a short film, but yep. It, it feels like the the important thing that we'd be talking about isn't what's the action on screen, how it relates to a song. And we're mm-hmm. not here to talk about songs. We're here to talk about movies. Right. It, it, dude, exactly. Yeah, man. No, you're 100% right on that. Yeah. Definitely. Um, and yeah, I guarantee, oh, sorry, you, I guarantee you that I just I guarantee you that what you just how you describe the creation of this video. That's that's how it is done. Like we got songs. Let's just think of a bunch of trippy fucking weird ass shit, you know, yeah. and the the sound of uh, the sorry, sound and fury, the Sturgill Simpson mm-hmm. short film that uh, that was a companion piece to the album. That's exactly what that is. Yep. <laughs> it's like, yep. OK. And I mean, it's awesome. It's really, oh, it's really, really cool. cool to look at. Yeah. But like. I don't know, man. It's for this particular episode. I just think it might blow up, throw off the conversation if it's just like, hey, you know, we're talking about stuff with narratives and like actual characters and purposes, and it's just then I'm like, now there's this one part where like a whole bunch of like skeleton zombies just start dancing in the middle of a video. Let me hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I don't right. know, man. It just doesn't work as well. Exactly. Um, I also decided to x out documentaries. Um, 
they're interesting, but I, I just felt like it's, again, kind of a cheat because there are thousands and thousands and thousands of short documentaries. Mm-hmm. There are, right. this, this might be the, this might be like the easiest thing to find. A short documentary about anything you could just put into Google, you'll find it. Um, right. So I feel like it's a little bit of a cheat in that regard. But also, yeah. again, we wouldn't really necessarily be talking about the filmmaking. You and I would be sitting here talking about like someone's murder or something. Yeah, exactly. Like all documentaries, like, and believe me, man, like I may be saying a controversial statement here, but like there's, I know filmmakers make them, but like it's, there are just some times where like Martin Scorsese could do a documentary and like, I would never really know that that's Martin Scorsese unless somebody told me, you know, there's, you can't really mm-hmm. get a, a taste of the art auteur behind a documentary, mm-hmm. you know? So you're right. We wouldn't be talking about shots or story or something. It would just be like, you know, hey, the, the murder or, you know, something about Shaq, whatever, whatever it is, you know? Yep. So that's, um, that's another really good thing to, to leave off of the list. And the next one, I couldn't even, I could not agree more with, I, this is why, like, I didn't have to even have the, I just agree with leaving all this stuff. Off yeah. And we'll yeah. get right to it. The next one, no anthology movies, even though they are, even though you can split them up into segments, um, thinking of something like four rooms, VHS, mm-hmm. Sin City. There's a, I mean, there's, there's like one or two of these every year. Um, yes, there are different segments, but they are inextricably the same movie. Um, right. When you watch the VHS movies, they're bound by the same narrative, even though mm-hmm. there are different movies. There's, there's different segments in, inherent in there. Same with Sin City. It's there's different segments, but it's part of the same narrative, part of the same world. It, it just doesn't it doesn't fit what we're doing. Plus, it's really hard to like. I would be really hard to tell you to go watch this one segment of an anthology film and then like it, because you're not you're probably going to miss context. Um, mm-hmm. Even if even if one film isn't directly related to another um, like they are in Sin City, without seeing all the other stuff, there's probably a character in there that can kind of slip through you that was yeah. mentioned in a different portion of it or is actually in a different portion of it, whatever. Um, it, you're just going to miss a lot of context and you're not, it won't be as clear what they're talking about and what they're doing because it is part of right. a larger narrative. Yeah, and it's funny. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Four Rooms because um, our good old buddy Mike Voss actually just saw Four Rooms for the first time two oh, weeks really? ago, and he texted he texted me about it and stuff. And um, there wasn't, you know, I mean, it's just Voss being Voss. Nothing, you know, nothing, uh, you know, too right. new for me to report there. But uh, the, I agree with you again because even something like Four Rooms, I, I, you still need to see from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Like, there's if you're not seeing it from start to finish, you're sort of robbing yourself of something. Mm-hmm. And what that thing is, I think is kind of dependent on it's like, basically it's subjective depending on which part of the movie you're watching. But um, there's definitely something that you are missing. It may be very, very small, but it's still something. Yeah, exactly. It's basically, uh, uh, you know, like go just take like a, take a regular movie and just start at like, I don't know, minute 40. See what happens. Mm-hmm. Like it's right. It's gonna be a really strange experience if you miss forty minutes of like an hour and a half, two hour movie or whatever. It's just gonna be like, well, hold on a second. Why did this person right. just walk into the scene? Why do they all say hi to him? Right, right. Or you could be like me with old school when um you're like having these conversations about old school with people and they're talking about the intro and Luke Wilson like finding out about his wife and you're like, that never happened. The movie starts at the wedding. What are you talking about? And then all of a sudden you see it and you're like oh, wow, I've been watching Old School for like 15 years and I never even knew about this scene in the beginning. <laughs> Which is true. Shit. That's a true story. I yeah. 100% believe that, Chama. 100% believe that. 
Yeah, um, like I ne- I never thought like when I had when you had the DVD when I had the DVD of old school. If you pressed fast forward, it not only fast forwarded you through the credits, but it also fast forwarded you through the opening scene. So the entire time, I completely missed the opening of old school. That is fucking nuts, actually. But but yes, I believe that you did that. So yeah, of course. That's that. Believe me, I wouldn't be saying if this was not something that was a hundred percent believable. <laughs> that is that is that is definitely a Chema move. So yeah, so the, so there are some of the things that some of the rules that we decided to follow um, to sort of really get into. I don't want to say like the pure film. I'm not a fucking snob like that. But really, in terms of like what the essence, like a, what a short film is supposed to be, um, mm-hmm. I think we, you and I, both cracked what what the essence of a short film is supposed to be by leaving those things out and kind of pursuing what we did pursue. Yeah, definitely. The only, the only other one that I, I, I kind of thought about it yesterday, but since it didn't really matter in our selections, the only other one that I, I probably should have put on there. Um, also there's like ads, there's ads that mm-hmm. are short movies. Like, and we've talked about a couple oh, yeah. of them actually. Yeah. Um, Neil, like Neil Blomkamp, his like before, before he started doing short films, actually his short film alive in Joburg became uh, district nine. Um, mm-hmm. before he started doing short films, he did a ton of ads. Uh, one, and they're like really fucking fascinating. Actually one, he did an ad campaign for Adidas. He did one for, oh, he did, uh, he did all the short films for like the, for up to the release of Halo three. So like you can definitely, I mean like that, like that, uh, that like the Halo three short films are definitely, it's a short film, but like, again, we're a short film that is just playing on like, Hey, here come these things that you already recognize. Here come, you know what I mean? Like it's just right. Again, we'd be talking about something other than the filmmaking. Right. Yeah. I mean, like the the Heineken fifteen minute ad where people yep. build the bar and stuff like that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. But I can understand why you left that off, and I think we would be more or less like kind of wrapped up in some of the the messaging of that particular right. you know commercial to actually talk about the, the substance of what were yeah, the um the substance of the filmmaking not the substance of the the situation on the commercial right exactly exactly all right so that's the little uh, the opening spiel there for how we picked our movies um again we both picked four each um we're going to be going through mine first in this first episode um, and Chema, I just, I have got a quick question for you. It's not on the outline anywhere, but do you know what the maximum length of short film is if you were to submit it to the Academy? Oh my God. Okay. I, I think I used to know the specifics. Um, I think it's, oh God, it's less, it's like 40 minutes, 45 minutes or something, right? Like 45 minutes. Exactly. Including any credits. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So, yeah. So 45 minutes. I'm not really sure. It, it, I, I, like here's the thing like I, i've watched plenty of short films i don't know why you would make a short film that long you're right you're getting pretty close to you might as well just make that thing a fucking hour and put mm-hmm. it on like a regular like you know what i mean like you're you're getting to the point where it's starting to get too long to right. to really like kind I, I, i'm not ex- exactly sure how to explain it you're starting to push into a territory where you might as well just tell more story yeah, exactly. Like if you're shooting a 45 minute long short film, there's a pretty solid chance that your script originally was 90 pages and you just cut it down or whatever. Mm-hmm. So why even cut it down? Because I guarantee that like whatever you're shooting in 45, 45 minutes, it's going to be like it's going to kind of be like negatively affected by the fact that it's 45 minutes. Like, OK, to put it to put it to you like this way. 
15 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever, 30 minutes, those are all good times. Those are all like, you can kind of like design a story to be told appropriately in that amount of time. And, and that's totally cool. But when you get to 45 minutes, you may be designing a story that you could tell in 45 minutes, but I think that you are, you have a better chance of being negatively affected by the time in a 45 minute short film than you would a 35 minute short film just because of the, the structure and mm -hmm. stuff like that. You know, like if we're watching something that, that is very, very short, you could kind of like, you know, you'd be able to identify like what lines of dialogue are needed. You know, you, you mm -hmm. need this, you need this, you need this. There's no dead weight in a 45 minute short film. It's kind of like somebody's taking those needed lines and then kind of like maybe padding it in almost like a Tarantino sort of way where there's banter yeah. and stuff like that. And you may be like losing some of the stuff, some of the more important stuff because of your choices to extend it in that way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, you're, you're, I mean, you're basically shooting longer. You'd be shooting longer than like an episode of an hour long TV drama. Right. Those are usually between like 40, basically between 42 and 45. So like it's, mm -hmm. it's, a, that'd be a weird, it, it would be a weird length of a movie to, to try to sort of wrap up, but I'm yeah. I'm sure someone's done it. I just, I, right. just in, in all the short films I've ever seen. And even when we're doing all the research and stuff for this, the longest I ever saw was that one that I left off because it was too close to a music video. And that was like mm -hmm. 36 minutes long. And there's a whole sequence about, that's about four or five minutes long that's just music and like visuals. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, of course, dude. D definitely. And I got to tell you, there's some there's an argument to be made here in terms of like familiarity and like comfort and with the audience and stuff. Like I think an audience like when they see, OK, yes, this is a 15 minute short film or 20 minute short film. There is this like sense of familiarity like, OK, yeah, like, you know, hey, that sounds like the appropriate runtime mm -hmm. for a short film. But when you get into like 45 minutes, like when people see the four and five it places people out of their like mental comfort zone and stuff. And like there are, it may impact how they absorb the film and particularly how they appreciate the film and stuff like that afterwards. And I got to tell you, like if I was sitting through something that was 45 minutes of one story, I, I don't know, but I think I'd kind of feel a little bit shaded. Like mm -hmm. it's just, it's, it's such a weird random length of time to devote to a piece of entertainment that, um, even the thought of it just kind of makes me feel like a little un uncomfortable um, and un uncomfortable, not like, Oh my God, there's a, a freaking nail in this chair that's going into my ass, but like uncomfortable in the sense that like, that's not something that I'm used to there. You're talking about like something that would fit into um, uh, like the twilight zone or mm -hmm. one of those types of anthology shows. And I think at that point you're not even, you're not talking about a film anymore. Um, if you're to get like 45, 46, 47 minutes, you're just talking about a TV episode and yeah. fundamentally, I mean, I know this, this really sounds like we're fucking picking nets here, but fundamentally those things are very different. Oh yeah, no, de definitely dude. And if you're going to do a short film, you might as well, a 45 minutes short, write uh, nine more of them and go sell the white mirror or whatever. It is. <laughs> <laughs> right. The optimistic, um, sci-fi future tech show. <laughs> right. <laughs> so so there you go. So yeah, 45 minutes is the is the, if you if you and I were to make a short film, that would be the top end you could make one uh and still submit it to the academy and I'll assume that other uh, you know other bodies that award prizes probably have this have a I'm assuming they have the same or a similar time length. 
Um, mm-hmm. Did not look that up, but uh, I did. I did look this up. You and I both uh, we clock in our collectively, our our movies clock in at just over forty five minutes. Um, you clocked in at forty eight minutes and twenty four seconds, and I clocked okay. in at forty six minutes and thirty five seconds. Okay, interesting. Gotcha. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. How that. Um... I bear. I would not be in the. I would have basically be a feature according to the Academy, yep. and your selection definitely meets the short film criteria. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty nuts. Um, but it's and it's also pretty nuts because I have a feeling we're gonna have a lot to talk about in what amounts to a much shorter movie combined than you and I would ever watch for for like an opening for movie May. <laughs> right. No, you're you're a hundred percent right on that. Definitely. So uh, so real quickly here before we before we get into the 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 meat to into the films themselves um besides the length being the obvious thing what stands out to you most when you compare short films to their full feature counterparts okay so for me the thing that stands out the absolute most first and foremost is the writing and how i kind of like my own like terminology i guess is this is a need to know basis only approach to Mm -hmm. writing it and now granted i know that what i just said there you guys could probably pick apart you know like not every line of dialogue and every one of these movies is a need to know type thing but for the most part the writing of a short film is a need to know basis there's no room for tarantino style banter in there there's no room for um all of a sudden like a major comparison to some kind of pop culture type thing like it is just what you need to know and then move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, like with some of the short films that we watched, we watched beautiful examples of this. Like we're talking like textbook, short film writing, mm-hmm. maybe like maybe one or two jokes like here and there just to kind of lighten the mood and make things sound natural and stuff. But you're looking at just straight the fuck up, need to know basis dialogue and it's like this is the kind of stuff that this is like an art form almost in and out of itself like this is two completely different styles of writing dialogue for short films than for um, feature length films and so that first and foremost first and foremost sticks sticks out to me is the writing and then like the um the two other ones that i have like you know it's weird like um when we were you know like kind of in our developing years of like going the 20s going into like our early 30s and even like before that like short films like i think like in terms of their production value i think we're we're very very identifiable almost like if, if this was 2002 i think you could probably turn on like three different televisions and one of them would be showing a short film and i think you'd be able to easily identify which one mm-hmm. um is the short film mm-hmm. But today, the production value of these things has just gone up like through the roof. You know, I mean, you're talking like really, like, there's some really, really cool like um, stuff that they do with these short films. Oh, yeah. And so, like, w- when it comes to the production, like as as impressive as it is, I noticed that it's it's almost like still like it's almost like almost there to a feature film production. There's just something about it that it's always just something noticeable that I think kind of separates it from a short film from a feature length and stuff, whether it's costuming, um, the, the choice of camera, maybe something to do with like the lighting or something. There's always just this one little kind of production element that I feel is like, okay, this is a short film. You just kind of notice it mm-hmm. in some way, shape or form. It might even be the the sound for, for all I know, but there's always something right. that tells you that it's a short film. And I have a similar thing with like, um, 
with effects and stuff like once again like effects in these short films have come a long long way um but i think like when in terms of effects like the use of effects whether it could be amazing it could be absolutely awesome or it could be what most short films are where you do get some effect but it's just not as it's not like the feature Mm -hmm. length but um so when i see this i I could definitely like that is something that is a noticeable characteristic of a short film as well oh for sure yeah for sure those those little i i would call that like i would call it like you can see like like if you were like if you were to buy like a designer bag mm-hmm. versus like a knockoff, it might look yep. the same. And then you get like you see like the seaming and the sewing, and yep. like it's just you can just tell that that's not mm-hmm. we're not quite there. When you when you look at it, when you really look at it closely, we're not quite there. Um, I, th- I think that's a really good point. Like there's some like one of the movies that I selected. Like if you didn't know that it was a short film and you just had like a you just had like a you know you just viewed it for like a couple minutes out of the corner of your eye you probably wouldn't tell right away until you got to some scenes where like we got to see like some of the setting, like some of the stuff they use for sets and you can kind of see like, Oh yeah, they're really stretching the budget here on this. Like I I can tell that they're using what materials, like you can just look and see, but if you weren't really looking that hard, you wouldn't, you're right. Like the, the way that the way that tech is advanced in filmmaking, you can kind of gloss over some of those spots a little bit until you really like focus on them. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's something that, if it's done, if the short film is done really well, I'll have to like, I'll have to watch it a couple of times to find out that specific element that I could identify. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's good because I've had to watch it a couple of times to really find that what makes this a short film element or, you know, what is really distinguishing between the short film and feature films and everything. And I got to tell you, man, like if it's, if it's done really, really good, it could be really, really difficult to, uh, mm-hmm. to spot those things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and, and for me, I think this is maybe the most, we, we, we always talk about on this show, whenever we do a, a movie, we talk about auteurs and, and like their visions and stuff. I think short films are like the most pure auteur visions. Um, mm-hmm. whatever the idea is, it's not diluted by studio interference, rewrites. Um, usually the actors aren't doing, you know, their own choices, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, this is like whoever wrote and it's usually the same person wrote, directed, probably did fucking set work, probably did like, I mean, they probably did had their hands in every part of it. And so right. like from top to bottom, short films really are truly like an auteur, an, an auteur piece of artwork, um, that like go back and like talk about like some of these big time directors, go back and look at some of their short films and you can find the things that they're able to expand upon now with more money and you know more time and and better resources and everything else they were already working on those things in like 10 minute versions um mm-hmm. like that's where like their that's where their um you know that's like where the like the their ideas were be- were beginning to be hatched basically and right. you you get that it's 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 like fucking pure raw it that's like the raw stuff of filmmaking i think is what you're seeing in any kind of short film yeah dude like the um <clears throat> the fact that the big interference element is out of the equation, which is the studio that right there just sets it up for like, you're right. The purest possible vision of the auteur and everything. And there's a good, you, you made once again, the guy probably wrote it, directed, probably stars in it, probably made the costumes. Mm-hmm. He might even be the financier himself. Probably. You know? A lot of times, a lot of and, times. Yeah. Right. And like when you have like, 
somebody who's involved in that much of the process, that's really the only way that you're going to see like the purest form of their vision and stuff. Because if this was like a studio production, like the minute that the director brings a script into the studio, what does the studio do? They take it and they just start bringing out the red pen and it's like, nope, 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 mm-hmm. nope, 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 nope. And um, when you don't have to worry about that, you could literally do whatever the hell you want to. You are bound by nothing. And yep. it's like this it's this level of creative freedom that um, th- that is just not a part of mainstream Hollywood and feature presentations in the theater near you type thing. Exactly. Th- that's which is that was part of the reason why um, when I when I made our other suggestion for this month to do like a superhero month, but like the directors of superhero movies, but like they're non superhero movies. Um, mm-hmm. Part of that was because of I, I'm so fascinated by what um, what Marvel is doing in the coming years. Um, they have Chloe Zhao directing one of their movies. Yes, yeah. right. Like I'm very intrigued to see how much of how much they let Chloe Zhao direct that movie versus how much of the template they force on her. Um, yes, and and actually, when I, the movie that I mentioned off the air, Synchronic. I caught up on this entire, well, not entire, but the biggest bulk of this filmography from this uh, uh, directing duo, Moorhead and Benson, uh, Aaron Moorhead and Justin Benson. Um, they're directing uh, a TV show for Marvel, uh, Moon Knight. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I'll t- I am very fucking curious as to what Moon Knight is going to be like. They tell some very interesting Lovecraftian stories, but that mm-hmm. are like told in a very white trash hipster kind of vibe. Okay. Um. So like, yeah. So like, it, it those kind of things intrigue me, and I, it intrigues me because they're now uh, Morehead and Benson. Just to go go with them, they don't. I, I mean, they have short films, but like they are definitely like feature length directors. But mm-hmm. they have a they're 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 indie movie directors. They find financing through their company. Um, they direct and star in a lot of the stuff. They do a lot of the filmography, editing. Like, these are their visions. These are their atmospheres that they're creating in these in these movies. And you... I'm very curious to see how much of that gets pounded out by Marvel. But, right. again, this is why I think the short film thing is very interesting because, like, that just doesn't happen. There is no studio that's going to say, no, you can't do this. Because right. there is no studio that's commissioning short films. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, I'm telling you, like... The Marvel example is a really, really great one. And like, I feel that with some of these people, we could, we could basically hope for the, um, the harmony that we got in Thor Ragnarok or Black Panther and stuff. Cause I really don't want Disney to just stomp out these people's visions and stuff like mm. that. And with Zhao recently winning that Academy award, um, I, I have this feeling that her signature might be on this a little bit more than Disney's and we're mm-hmm. still going to get all, it's still going to be formulaic. Okay. Oh, Believe yeah. me like the, the hero's going to leave at the, or the, the secondary hero is going to leave at the second act and come back at the end of the third act. Like, like every freaking oh, story yeah. Marvel does. But I just have this feeling that they might, they might free up some of the reins because of this Academy award win and everything. Mm-hmm. It, I, I agree with you there. Plus I, I would be, I would be surprised if she's truly directing any of the action sequences, I mean, she's a, directing yeah. them, but like, you know what I mean? Right. It's like, they have somebody, they have somebody there to kind of, um, 
make sure that some of the Marvel fight scenes and like they maybe kind of follow like a similar format or template or kind of a um, just a way to choreograph a fight scene mm. kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so any advantages to telling the story in this format and and if you know and any disadvantages that you can think of, too? OK, so um, the first one, very, very easy uh, compared to a feature length. These cost infinitely less to yes. produce, yep. <laughs> infinitely less to produce. Um, and believe me, here, even in here in California, you're still going to fork out some money. But there's no way it's any amount of dollars compared to a, a feature length presentation. That's for sure. Um, the other things are kind of things that we've said that we've talked about, like the um I put down, you could basically go all out without exhausting the audience. So if you want to do a, like a short film that is all fights or all a war sequence or something like that, you could definitely do it. And it'll only be for 10 minutes. And since that's it, it's not going to exhaust out the audience mm-hmm. because an hour and a half of a war sequence or a fight sequence. Yeah. People are going to get really, really bored really fast. I mean, like just take the, um, the Game of Thrones, like, uh, you know, the Battle, Battle of Winterfell, Winterfell episode. It's about, about 15 as, to 20 minutes too long. Yeah. I, like, as much as, like, as much as that fighting was badass and everything, and it was the great, you know, a really great example of uh, television battles and stuff, and get one of the best battles of Game of Thrones, we cannot watch the crazy army and swinging swords forever. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You have to, you have to break that up. Mm-hmm. So um, going the short film route they basically could condense all the fighting down to 15 minutes and have it be awesome because that's all it is, is 15 minutes long. And then the, um, the last one, the advantage category that I have is, uh, no story topic is off limits. So like we talked about the, the pureness of the vision of the art tour. This is something, um, it's, a, it's in the same neighborhood. It's a little bit different, but, um, the short films, since you don't have a studio to answer to and, since in all reality, you're probably not going to be making any money off the short film. Uh, you could basically cover whatever you wanted to. You could address any subject matter in the world. You could, whatever it is, whatever extreme, whatever crazy shit you could yep. possibly muster up. This is on the table now, because I will tell you like Disney, Warner brothers, all the big studios are probably not going to go for some really super crazy twisted like there's probably there's definitely some subject matters that are a little like taboo and stuff like that and there's even things that um the studio would never touch no matter how great the story is written like take a um i don't know like a a really abusive like protagonist or something like that you know what i'm saying like Mm -hmm. the guy could be the protagonist of the story but he's a a a woman a female abuser and everything no studio is going to touch that and while i personally feel that that is a just a, a not the direction anybody should go with a protagonist but if you want to make it out of a short film you can yep there's no subject matter that's um that's off limits here so because you do have um this like little bit of freedom um the the, the possibilities are endless with what you could choose to cover you you basically got everything that I was going to talk about so <laughs> okay um I, I don't I won't add too much to it just to say that like yeah like there's um, there's like nothing there. There really aren't any limits. The limits are however much money you have, um, mm-hmm. you know, what, what kind of cameras you're using and, and who, who's in it and who's like, the limits are basically just the limits that you can, that you establish yourself. Um, if, if I were, if I were to describe the, the, the Carpenter Brute semi music video movie that I was, that I was talking about, it's, it's called Blood Machines. 
Dude, there's a fucking alien seance wherein the spirit of a woman is pulled out of an airlock spaceship. Like, oh wow, okay. It's fucking and oh, and by the way, she's got a giant glowing cross in her body. It's like, it's fucking bizarre. It's a really, really fucking bizarre uh, little short film. But like, there's there is no part of that story that makes it to any stu- any studio executive, even like a low level studio isn't going to go perfect. Let's make a two hour movie out of this. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Like these people, like the studio executives, since this is a, a business. And if you are at the, if you are at the level where you're pitching to a studio executive to you, this might be all about art. It might be a hundred percent about art, but to the studio executive, it's 110% about making money. Mm-hmm. So there's no way that like that walks this like I, I don't really know like where to draw the line in the sand in terms of like bizarre for what a studio would jump on and what they wouldn't jump on. But that to me sounds like something that in 2021 would never even fly. You know, mm. the studio executive might even read two sentences of that outline of the story and just be like, absolutely not, because they've got to put they've got to make money out of it. And the way that the industry works nowadays where your movie could be sunk because of rotten tomatoes, like before the movie even gets released, they're not going to take that chance. There's no fucking way that they're Mm going to take that chance. And even, and I would guarantee that that scene in a major, in a major release would be some type of critical important scene that probably could not be cut out. And when that, when something like that would leak on the internet, like a woman's body and the cross and soul being sucked out, those are the type of things that are like, there's a lot of room to go negative with that kind of um, content inside of a picture. So there's no way anybody's going to take the risk of funding that. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think, so I'll, I'll go from there. I'll just piggyback right off of that and just say like truly the only, I would say that there are no disadvantages to the short film format. Um, other than you're, you're never going to get one of these. Usually you're never going to get one of these in front of a huge audience, but mm-hmm. But but having said that, I don't think they're making these for a huge audience. There's no possible way, other other than um, other than some like what another thing that you kind of run across when you're doing when you're really kind of diving into short films. There's a lot of proof of concept films right. that are clearly meant to be like here's a teaser for what we could do in a full length movie or TV episode, yeah. whatever. You get a lot of that, but like for the most part, what we're what especially what we're going to cover. They weren't making this in mind that like how many people are going to see this. They just wanted to make something that 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 the right people would see, I guess. Right. That, that's exactly right, dude. Like the um, no matter how like stargazed one might be, um, there's definitely a grasp of reality when it comes to short films and why they are made. Mm. And these aren't, they're not to make money. This is a chance for you to showcase what you can do in hopes that somebody will see it and you can advance yourself to the next career. And there may be some people in there that are just all about the art and all they want to do Mm -hmm. is make short films forever. More power to you, dude. I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you to do otherwise, but um, realistically, um, and like what I feel a majority of people get into short films are is to showcase what they can do to to further their career. It's yep. like basically like, um, you know, it's basically like the equivalent of somebody joining student government so they could put it on their college resume. Yep, exactly. Exactly. This is in 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 very many ways. And it has nothing to do with the with the level of talent, but more about like the level of resources and like their, you know, what 
who they can call upon. Short filmmaking is kind of like double A of mm-hmm. of movies of of entertainment. Yeah. It's yep. there's plenty of talented dudes playing double A baseball. Believe me, there's plenty of talented dudes, but we haven't like had a chance to really fully tap into it yet. Like they're just yeah. getting started in this in baseball. They're just getting started with everything they can do. It's the exact same way with a lot of short filmmakers that like this is like for a lot of guys this you know guys and gals um, and other you know other whatever else they might call themselves we won't get into that but um, mm. this is like the first or second crack at really doing something that's longer than you know longer than dicking around with a camera like in your parents' basement when you're a kid so right. this is sort of like this is the minor leagues in a way that like. You know, one of the movies that we're going to talk about did get made into a full length feature uh, feature film. And it was mm-hmm. even though that I I know that wasn't the intention, it was sort of like getting noticed by a scout and like they brought you up from the minor leagues. Right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Like you have this, this whole like league of short film directors and producers that are just waiting to get their cup of coffee in the majors. Yep. Um, so I'm sorry uh, before any any disadvantage that you could think of, because I, I really couldn't think of one. The- yeah, the like when it comes to disadvantages, um, it would, I guess, to a certain degree, the time can be a disadvantage if you are choosing to do a certain type of story. So, like, there are just times, and believe me, like I, I would be leaving this up to the people in the film to sort all this stuff out in terms of their own productions. But there are just times where, like, I think if you choose a certain type of story. Um, and this could be, I mean, there, there's literally like no, it's not like a sports story. It's not drama. It's not a comedy or whatever, but there are just certain types of stories with maybe like what takes place in them where a little bit more time might be beneficial. But I also think that if you are going the short film route, you're going to have to, you're going to have to keep like, um, like kind of like a consciousness about what you choose to create. So I'm hoping that people who get into short films, they pick the right things, the right kind of content to make into a short film. Mm-hmm. But there are just, there are some, I know that there are just, there are going to be people out there that want to cram this, cram that, cram, cram, cram. And their desire to cram is going to um, rob their project of little things like character development or, um, basically character development. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that's basically, what, that's basically what it is. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so, so time can be a disadvantage um, depending on what particular story you want to take, but that's all. But my disadvantage is completely predicated on the fact of the, the choice of content. Yeah, I, I would that. agree with that. I, I, I understand exactly what you're saying. And I would agree with that. Like if it's, and it's noticeable in, in a lot of the movies that I, that we watched that I watched leading up to this. Um, there's several that I was just like, nope, this is trying to do way too much for what it is. We could mm-hmm. we could scale back on some certain things. Like, and it's pain. It's very painfully obvious when that happens because it does feel like it's it's either very crowded or the lines of dialogue or what's happening just doesn't quite make sense for what it is. Gotcha. Yeah, definitely. So to that end, that leads that's a perfect segue here. Um, did did you find that you have like a favorite length of short film? Like as you're going through and watching these, you thought like, boy, I could watch a bunch of these if they were this length. Yeah, you know something, dude. I I actually do. My perfect harmony length. I'm in the I'm the twelve to fifteen minute length. Like same, um, same here, same here. Exactly. Yeah, yep. I so like when I my methodology and thought process behind this is um. 
a 12 minute uh, could be four three minute acts, or it could be um, like th- it could be three smaller acts with time reserved for credits, mm-hmm. and the opening sequence or whatever. Yep. Um, a, fi- a 15 minute one could be three five minute acts or four three minute acts with the time allotted for the credits in the opening. So um, when you really think about like how long three minutes on camera actually is mm-hmm. um, and like, and I know like you, you and I definitely like kind of put our train of thought into this, but like, I just, I feel that that's, it's perfect. Like I think when it comes to three minutes and if, even if I'm going just three minutes, a scene, you have, you know, like one minute to, to do an intro to to do some like, you know, introduction stuff. Then you have another minute to, um, you know, kind of build off of that. And then you have another minute to like bring your conclusion. It just seems to be this like perfectly laid out like sequence of events. And even in those one minutes that I just, those little one minute sections, sections that I brought up one minute is like, that's still a lot on the screen. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I was reading, um, I was reading the, uh, the Charlie Kaufman, um, the screenplay of adaptation that, that he wrote, I, I I don't know if what I'm about to tell you is in the movie itself. I just can't remember the, the details okay. of the movie off the top of my head. But um, Brian Cox, who plays Robert McKee, this like, you know, famous writer about screenplays and stuff. He gives this speech to Nicolas Cage's character or to the um, the class that he's teaching where he talks about, like, have you ever like looked at an actor for like one minute on screen? Like how long that is when you're just like looking at one thing mm-hmm. like even though that is 60 seconds, that's 60 seconds. That is a no different time frame than um, the amount of time I've taken out, the amount of time that would elapse in the sport. It's the same 60 seconds. But when you're looking at something, like even just like a singular shot for 60 seconds, it feels like two minutes and stuff. So um, that's why, you know, like I feel breaking it up this way, I think it's just, it's just an awesome little kind of timed out built-in formula that works perfect in terms of like scene flow and story flow. Yeah. It, it's, I, I know as for whatever reason, as humans, we love our like rule of threes kind of things and separating right. things into <laughs> beginning a middle and end. But like when you get to, I actually said, I said nine to 15 minutes, but the, the idea being the exact same thing that you could have three, three minute acts in a nine minute movie, three, five minute acts in a 15 minute movie. But there is like enough, we're getting to the point where you have enough time for there to be a legitimate setup, some kind of, um, you know, some kind of, um, you know, uh, conflict and then resolution, even if it mm-hmm. is only like nine to 15 minutes that when you start to get, obviously, if you get longer, you can stretch that out even more. But as we can see with our when we're going to get to we're going to start to get to them here in a second, I promise when you're talking like a two or five minute movie, there really isn't there really isn't a beginning, middle and end. It's just sort of here's a slice of what could be a bigger story. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, man. And like when, um, you know, using kind of going back to like this, just this idea of like these rule of threes and the three and all this stuff, like there is just something about like breaking a three minute scene up into like one minute pieces or, or even just like, um, having a scene, like just run at a minute, like 15 seconds and 30 second scenes, even in a short film are going to feel very, very abrupt, you know, Mm -hmm. unless it's something, unless it's something like the dude getting the mail or something, just something simple, but like 
can you imagine like watching a short film where they're trying to like give you a buildup in about like 15 seconds worth of time? You're like, hi, hi. Uh, my dad left me when I was a kid. Next scene. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It feels wrong. You know, it's just it's, it's just not like what um, it just doesn't feel right in terms of like, you know, what you're watching and like the, the comfort level and all that stuff. It just feels abrupt. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. All right, let's let's finally dive into it. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna be taking on uh, my selects first, my my short films first. Um, <clears throat> so I'll, I'll read them off here real quick. Um, I selected Lights Out, directed by David Sandberg and Lotta Lostin. Runs approximately two minutes and twenty five yeah. seconds, um, depending on which whether you see it on YouTube or Vimeo or some other place right. that runtime's a little different. Yeah. Um, Stand by. That was, so that was my that was my approximately two minute film. Stand mm-hmm. by, directed by Charlotte Regan. Uh, clocks in at five minutes and ten seconds. Again, depending on the the credits and stuff and where you find it. Um, my under fifteen minute film is Prospect, directed by Zeke Earle and Chris Caldwell. Clocks in at fourteen minutes. And lastly, uh, for the under thirty five minute one was Limbo, directed by Andrew Morris and Rob Silva. And that clocks in at 25 minutes. So let's get into the short, short films here, uh, Chama. Let's get into Lights Out and Stand By. Um, what were your positive takeaways from each movie? And obviously, if you had any negatives, go ahead and throw those out there, too. But like, well, for sure, to start, what were the positives that you took away from both movies? Okay. A couple to start off with. The fact that they put together these very entertaining um, short films with basically like nothing. Okay. Like we're not talking about anything major whatsoever. Like standby is the same fucking camera angle the whole goddamn Mm -hmm. time. You you know what I'm saying? But the fact that they had minimal to like just minimal in general, this minimalist approach to stuff worked and they delivered two quality products. That number one is um, that's my start off with like just in general, very Mm -hmm. happy that they did as much as they did with as minimal as they did. Um, with Lights Out specifically, uh, this fucking movie used every goddamn thing that it had and just cranked it up to 11. And the best thing about these, like how they really didn't have much, is they, is the way that they continuously um, raised the tension throughout this, like, you know, one and a half minute film or whatever. Two, two, how long? Lights Out's what again? Two, like a little, little over, almost two and a half minutes. Little over two minutes. Gotcha. Two yeah. and a half minutes. Dude a constant constant raising of the tension. Mm -hmm. And I even love how they do it in different ways. In the first section of lights out, it's done visually with the, the turning off and on of the lights, the the, the shadowy figure moves closer to you, Mm -hmm. raising the tension. Then when she goes into the room, it's done through sound and they raise the tension through the creaks in the floor and the footsteps and all that stuff. And then when she's underneath the blanket, the sounds seem to like get louder and they really capture that entrapping feeling. And then only to be rounded out by the highest point of tension when the shadowy figure is all of like six inches from this person and clicks the lights on. That is just how you build tension organically with nothing they did an amazing job of it and um would stand by me or sorry stand by specifically <laughs> is um i um i just i really like the two characters a really great contrast between the two characters of just this kind of stoic you know like kind of mugged face dude and everything behind the wheel and this 
this woman kind of coming into their lives and they're like, like blossoming friendship and everything like that. And they did a really, really great job of like, you know, kind of telling this story through one camera angle in a car. Mm-hmm. And uh, I did want, did want to mention one thing really quick. Um, David F. Sandberg, that's like, so there's two David Sandbergs. There's David F. Sandberg who did lights out and did Shazam. And then David Sandberg is the dude who did Kung Fury. Oh, no shit. Yeah, I like I noticed that I was just like I, it took me a second because when, when I saw that on your album, like, I know this and I know we've talked about Lights Out before. And um, I'm like, David Sandberg. So I, I go to David Sandberg's page. I'm like, Oh, this dude did Kung Fury, too. I didn't know this Shazam guy did Kung Fury. And then like I it's the F the F thing separates the two David Sandbergs. Yeah, there you go. Um, I'm just looking that up right now. Yeah, that's pretty fucking wild, actually. Um, but uh Oh, sorry. Any any final thoughts there before I jump in? Oh, the uh, just with the negatives, um, really not too many. Um, yeah, uh, lights out. Like I, I have nothing negative to say about that. Uh, and when Stan would stand by, like it was just one of these things where, like, finally, like when I got it, when I when I like, really like I warmed up, I figured out the characters. Um, finally, when that chord struck me, when I'm like, this is wholesome, I like these people, she gets the promotion and yep. the movie's up, <laughs> yeah. you know? So, so that, that's my, my only negative is that it was just that good. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's this sort of, um, there's this sort of like really, the interesting thing I think about, about at least my two short films here, my short, short films here, is that like, it was, you really, really got to like pick to find something negative because there's. It's like they're throwing their best punch, right? Both of these movies are throwing their best punch. So like, there's not really a ton to critique because they are so short. Um, I'll, I'll 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 go reverse here real quick with Stand By. Uh, since you since you brought up like the single camera stuff, the the way that like first off we don't ever get like a full complete conversation. It's like bits of conversations as as you know as the days go on, and presumably we're getting I don't know what. Um, probably at least like what what amounts to six to eight months of a relationship um right. I, I would guess and but we're never getting like a full like it's never a full conversation we're just cutting into the middle of the conversation with a suspect mm-hmm. in the back of their car or the boyfriend or the, you know, the potential boyfriend that dicked her over or his birthday whatever it is it's always just like it's just a slice here a slice there to sort of make the whole and like that whole is like it's fantastic how how they use those little bits and pieces to in in five minutes, build a cohesive story and make us feel close to both of these characters. It's fucking fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. And you, you kind of stole my thunder with lights out just like the way that it's really fucking brilliant. The way in two and a half minutes that we use, we use different ways to kind of spook you, even though, even though the trick is exactly the same, right? Like the mm-hmm. trick's the same each time. But the way we're gonna the way we're gonna fucking freak you out is just a little bit different, and then we're gonna end we're gonna end with the climax to make you feel real unsettled. It's just fantastic. Yeah, that is that's how you fucking do it right there, man. That's a and now when that guy is directing Shazam, like I understand. I'm like I don't even have to ask any questions about it. Right, right, absolutely. Um, so which one of these? Which one of these did you enjoy more and why? This is definitely a total you question. I'm, I'm, I'm very curious. Okay. I personally, Lights Out is, that is a perfect horror short right there. Mm-hmm. Like it, 
like in the same way Tremors was the perfect movie, this is the perfect way to write, film, and execute a horror short. You just need to focus on one scare, one major scare, but offer little scares like along the way and mm-hmm. stuff like that. They did it in two and a half minutes. There was nothing there that was unnecessary. Everything was completely necessary. It was delivered timing-wise in the story at the appropriate times. There wasn't just a, like, hey, all of a sudden the shadowy figure is really close and then they're far away. Like, it wasn't like that at all. You know, it was the shadowy figure moves up and then disappears. All is well or is it? You know, mm-hmm. it's just this, like, what it demonstrates to me is a, and I know D- David um, F. Sandberg is, is just like a horror guy at heart. Like, the Shazam thing is just, you know, kind of, yeah, you know, he makes some money. <laughs> but, um so like it just demonstrates to me like somebody who really like knows the genre and knows how to maximize the genre in a limited situation. Yep, yep. It's uh, I, I mean, yeah, I, I'm 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 agreeing with you in terms of like I like this one better, but not because it's like it's not like I'm I'm sitting here going like oh well you know standby was just okay standby was fucking great. It's just that taking. This is basically if if someone were to make if someone were to make a full length movie that hit everything the same way this hits, it would be the greatest horror movie of all time. <laughs> right. Basically, like this is yeah. this is an A plus horror short, and and it's like I, I again like if you were to if you were to hit this over the course of ninety or a hundred minutes, hit it with the same level of efficiency and maximizing the scare and everything, you'd make the best horror movie of all time. That's yeah. it. You would you would be heralded as the best horror director ever on your first yep. attempt. One hundred percent. Yeah. I almost think that like that is like such a tall order that I don't even know if it's possible to execute something so perfectly. Right. Right. I, I probably not because of all the things that we just talked about with studio interference and everything else. Uh, probably not. Right. Um, <laughs> So, given their extremely short run times, did they effectively play your emotions? Oh man, for me seeing lights out a couple times prior to this, I was still freaked out, dude. The image of the um, the, the ghoul, the, the the shadowy figure revealed at the end with the the no eye, uh, no pupils, just like these blank white eyes and the big fucking like face and stuff. Yeah, man, I was still jumping and felt a little like irked out and everything like that. Even after seeing it a few times, mm-hmm. and like with um with standby, like um like I said, like I when I finally figured it out, she got the promotion. But in the meantime. You're seeing like, like, you know, I would put it this way is like, you know, not everything for me has to be like drugs and violence and F words and stuff like there's still a place in my heart for like wholesome entertainment. And I still watch some very wholesome mm-hmm. shows whenever I do watch a, whenever I do watch television. But um, this was like something that um, you could just buy into the wholesomeness of the characters. Like they are likable and stuff. And even the guy who's not saying anything, you still kind of like this mm-hmm. fucking guy, you know, cause he's not an asshole. And um, so what in the so with lights out it was the you know the freaky horror kind of scared irky kind of emotions and with this it was it was like very it was like watching a very like wholesome like almost like a uh almost kind of like a lifetime movie but one i'd actually say i watched it felt it felt more like an old school an old school sitcom that happened to be about two cops yeah like an 80s 70s or 80s sitcom about two cops Right, exactly. That's a really good way to put it. Definitely. I mean, we even got, and even in the, even as we're like warming up to both the characters and then their relationship, which you know, by pur- purposely it feels forced 
at first, you know, with the confined space and the tight camera, the same camera angle, everything else. Um, and we see them warm up over time. We even get like, we even get just like a little bit of interjection from the people that they arrest, you know, mm-hmm. like in the middle of them growing close and becoming friends. Also, we get just some, like some moments of laughter, like with the, you know, the, the one suspect that they're, they have in handcuffs and he's talking about, yeah, send me to jail. I'm going to be running jail. And he just right. gives him the, well, what if I call your mom? And he's like, oh, no, 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 wait, don't do that. Don't do that. Like, <laughs> yeah, even like we even have like some humor to break it up and like make these people just feel more, more rounded and definitely more friendly. Mm-hmm. Which that, I yeah, think the cops yeah. could really use right about now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah definitely they can. Any PR for any good PR for the cops is more than welcome. Right. Right. Now. <laughs> um, so, which one of these worlds would you like to know more about? Okay, I really would like to know more about the standby world. Um, being that we only got like those one lines from the the conversations and stuff, you know, granted they were the right one lines to give the audience an idea of what is going on in the story, but there's a lot we didn't see, you know, like there's actually, I think it would be cool to kind of see like maybe this relationship that she had with that guy or Mm -hmm. maybe find out a little bit about Gary's home life. And that's why he is the kind of strong silent type that he is, you know? And um, it would, I think like by knowing a little bit more about the world, it would just help appreciate um, these characters a little bit more and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, I, I'm not, and I'm not saying that there's no nothing to be um, explored with uh, Lights Out, but um, I, I feel like I, I have the gist of that one. Whereas this one, there were more like um, more questions about like kind of like the mm-hmm. fine print of what I just watched than I had with Lights Out. Yeah, exactly. They're they're not. Sandberg's not trying to build character in Lights Out, and Charlotte Regan is trying to build character in mm-hmm. in Standby, and consequently, because I like you said, like I, the characters are great. I do want to know more about them. I'm going to plow right into this question. This next question, Gemma. Um, I'll go ahead and lead it off here. I really want to know about Gary um, in terms of like who would I like to know more about. I really want to know more about Gary, why he mm-hmm. is the strong, silent type, and sort of like. You know, I want to. I kind of want to see the part two where he gets his new partner. Is it going to be the same way? Are they going to be as friendly? Is it going to work out the same way? I just want to know a little bit more about Gary. How about you? Yeah, dude, I'm 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 the other side of the car. I'm Jenny. I want to know a little bit about like what's going on with her relationships. Like, if um if this promotion thing that she got, if they, if she ever sees Gary again, do they maintain their relationship like inside police headquarters? Um, just even just like kind of like what makes this person the way that she is. Like, why was she nice enough to bring him the birthday cake? You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. um, why did she care enough about this guy to like learn his tea order the the right way mm-hmm. and stuff like that? You know? So, um, there's just some things that like, I, I just want to know more about her in general. Um, because obviously out of the two characters, she was the, the more active one of the two. Right. So I just think that that opens, opens the door for some questions about the character. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so are either of these candidates for a longer feature of some variety? Okay. So I know lights out got, I know that that got expanded into yes. a feature, which, uh, which I, I have not seen, but, um, I would definitely expand standby into some type of like British buddy cop show. Like it just, it just has that, to, to yeah. it. you know, it, it wouldn't be in the car the whole time, you know, we'd have to go outside of the car, but, um, if there was ever like a, what, what could be a template that could be converted into a British cop television show, buddy cop show. It is this all the way. Yeah. Um, I, I think that lights out feels like a part of a bigger horror movie. 
Like, mm-hmm. that's, like, one scare in a Haunted yeah. House movie or something. Like, I, I don't think you could... I'm, I'm actually kind of curious now to see if if what what the lights out full feature is like, but I can't imagine that you can continuously do that for an hour and forty five no. minutes. It doesn't feel like it, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. Like I had the same kind of idea of like you know a workplace comedy, a British workplace comedy that happens to be about two cops, and you're right, it's got to be it's got to be outside the car quite a bit more. But that would be like the opening and close would be like the the camera sitting on the hood of the car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. That like the cold open. Yeah, definitely, yep. dude. And you, um, you said you haven't seen the expanded lights out. No, I haven't. Okay. Yeah, I, I have not um either, and I, I'm very interested to do it. I just have not, yeah. um, not done it yet. <laughs> I oh, I will say this real quickly. I kind of skipped over one thing that I asked you to do, <laughs> asked you to do, like why we picked these. Um, and I think we, I think we did a pretty good job of, of kind of covering a lot of it. But like basically, I just felt like some of these these two movies were. They they maximized exactly what they were going for in very different ways, mm-hmm. but but also with a lot of similarities. The confined spaces, um, the the sort of the lack of I mean, in, in lights out zero dialogue, um, right? But even in standby minimal dialogue, as you as the, like the way you put it, like it's a need to know dialogue. It if they're if they're talking, then it means something. Um, so I just like that these both in very different ways, maximize the concepts they were going for. Yeah, without a doubt. Like, what Lights Out did with Minimal is, this this film should be put on a pedestal. And then, like, if there is um, classes that are being taught about short films, it's like, it would be a crime to not include, include this in the curriculum. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, this is just so perfect in so many ways. Mm-hmm. All right, Chema, so now let's get into our, or my long short films, if you will. Um, Prospect and Limbo clocking in at 14 minutes and 25 minutes respectively. Um, and I, I went ahead with these ones, um, because I think this was a very, and, and, and you'll notice this obviously as you, as the more, the more time that you put into a movie, even if it's a short film, um, you're, you're, you're actually then doing world building. Um, Mm -hmm. whereas in the, you know, in the short films, in the short films we just talked about, there's a very minimal amount 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 of it where right when you are going to do some building you're probably going to focus on the characters like they do in stand and like they do in standby and the world building is so minimal and lights out it's not really we just know the rules for the general rules for whatever the the creature or the the shadowy figure is mm-hmm. but when we get to when we when we jump up to these two movies here there's definitely like a full-fledged attempt to shape a very significant portion of the world and the rules that they live by, um, which is something that I find very interesting. And I, I give them both, I give both Prospect and Limbo, um, real quick, let me get the directors. Probably should put that up further. Uh, Prospect by Zeke Earl and Chris Caldwell and uh, Limbo by Andrew Morris and Rob Silva. I give them a lot of credit for, in, in what basically amounts to less than 40 minutes combined, the worlds that they were able to build. So Chema... We'll start there. What grade would you give each movie for their world building? Okay. I am in the A range for both. Um, Prospect, I'm giving a, a just a straight-up A. Limbo has got an A+, plus, which is largely, largely because of the time and everything like that. There's mm-hmm. just a little bit more time in the overall yep. production and stuff. But um, both films did a really, really great job of world building. And like with um, with Prospect um, in particular and everything, um, I thought that they they laid out everything very 
very clearly. Um, there was no, you know, weird ass dialogue or metaphorical explanations in that mm-hmm. um, short film, which um, which I which I really, really appreciated. Like when it comes to sci fi um, when and you're doing world building, just explain it to me like a fifth grader and stuff like that. You know, I don't need any poeticism in the explanation of the world that is around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and like with um, with Limbo. It was kind of like the um, it's kind of like the opposite of that actually, where it was just like a little bit more complex. There was a you know there was definitely some kind of like um, a little bit of like poeticism, and when I say that, sure. I mean like you know when I, the dialogue's a little bit more expensive um, when, in Limbo than it was in Prospect, which is not a slight on Prospect what's at all, mm-hmm. but um, you know so Limbo gave you. Um, just like they did it in a really, really cool way with the, you know, the kind of the scenes transitioning from one another. But um, I feel that they gave you a little bit more just because of how long the, the, the film ran overall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I got you there. I similarly, I am, I am at an a plus with prospect actually. And limbo, I'm at a B plus and I'll, 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 I'll dive into that one. It's not because I didn't, it, it it's really just sort of the ending of limbo um okay. when we get to we get to this really kind of and i don't want to i don't want to i'm going to talk about the concept and everything else in a second here but um but more or less that like the the last couple minutes feel like a lot of other sci-fi shorts that i've i've seen before okay. where they're where they're trying to escape the institution and everything else it just it, it i'm yeah. like ooh there's a better I wish you would have stayed in the mind prison mm-hmm. to to finish this movie off. Um, yes, like I wish you would have stayed there, and then it's then it's a very solid A to A plus. And I, I gave Prospect the A plus because we are talking very minimal, very minimal in terms of like there. There's a little bit of effects work with you know just like sort of uh, you know there's like the there's like a layover on just like the, the film that kind of makes it look like there's like stuff floating around in the air. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they're using some kind of lens to give the the sky a little bit of different tint. And I'm sure there's a little bit of there's a little bit of CGI work there with the sky too. Um, yeah. But it's basically all through dialogue and costuming that they establish that like, look, this isn't a forest on Earth. This is a forest on a different planet. And mm-hmm. like within 20, 30 seconds, I'm like, okay, it is. Like it's yeah. <laughs> I, I yep I believe you you're right the air is poisonous to everyone gotcha, um, so like I think it's just for that reason that like Prospect didn't really it, it it's clearly a, a micro budget in terms of what they were working with and there's some stuff that I could point out that I, I'll get into that in a little bit but Limbo basically just I wanted to stay in the world that they created a little bit longer. Oh, I I understand what you mean, dude. When you point out the idea of um, it ending very similar to some science fiction stuff. It's it's almost like they had, um, and I, I still b- believe the movie to, to be an original um, idea to a certain degree. Yeah, and they presented it very very originally. And like oh, yeah. my my favorite part of this like world building is that they kind of drop the bomb on what's happening sort of in like the middle. So mm-hmm. in the middle is when you find out about the, um, he's in jail, like, you know, on the other side of the glass wall with the phone and everything like that, like talking, talking to this woman, that's when you kind of find out like what is going on here, you know? And they, um, they do a really great job of like doing the, um, uh, doing a balance between sort of like the surreal stuff or stuff that would, 
would qualify as surreal, I guess, like, um, you know, the water just showing up in the room, running mm-hmm. under his feet, all this other kind of, you know, like um, the transitioning between scenes, him seeing himself through the window and all that stuff. So um, I really liked it that there was this balance of like the the reality or what would appear to be realistic type stuff intertwined with the surreal stuff that built to the big reveal, which was in the middle um, and then thus began the, the falling action to the conclusion mm-hmm. of the short. And um, the, my favorite world building example was something that you had hit on with Prospect. I love the way the sky looked in that. I am a sucker for the way skies look in science fiction stuff, mm-hmm. dude. It is like, it is just this little thing that I got, man. Like the Rogue One poster of like the Death Star being in the atmosphere. God, if that wasn't like a super nerdy thing and it just wouldn't leave me, I'd put that above our bed. You know, it just looks <laughs> awesome. It just looks awesome. So, like, I've um, ever since Land of the Lost and the Triple Moon, the Nickelodeon show, I have just loved skies and science fiction and it's, stuff it's like a, that. It's a really quick and easy and effective way to tell to like just for a, a, like a second or two to show the sky and like, hey, not Earth. Like right. you're you're seeing something totally different. Like it's just a, such a quick, easy way to, and, mm-hmm. and not like I don't want to say cheap, but like if it's done right, it really does sort of like Im- immediately like okay, this is a forest on a different planet. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I, it's it's something that I feel that if I didn't love it so much, I might call it cheap. But a lot of my personal like a lot of my personal kind of emotions are playing into this answer and stuff, and it's like. It's not, I wouldn't even see, it's like, it's just simple. It's so simple, but so effective, you know, like just look up at the sky and Hey, there's three suns. Like, okay, you're definitely not on earth. Yep. Let's move on to the, move on to the next thing, yep. you know, and depending on how cool they make those suns look, I mean, it just, it's just an icing on the cake, man. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so I'm with you on that. Um, that was, that was like really great considering, especially again, considering they're just like shooting. I, I think this is like a forest in Canada is where they shot prospect. So it's like, you know, just like that one simple thing, it gives it like a whole new feel to it. But I, I really loved, I really loved, um, when we get the scene with the, uh, the father and daughter in the tent, um, which is definitely looks, looks like a, like your typical, like bought at Walmart tent that they just like covered with, it looks like they just covered it with like white tarping. It's, mm-hmm. it's one of those things, like I said, you, you can look at it and like when you really start to look at it, you can see the little cracks or you can see right. like where it's coming apart at the seams, but like, who cares? Like right. I'm sitting there listening to the dialogue, which it's, it's not really like the, your father daughter discussion necessarily, but like giving her forcing her to sort of roll through all the rules that they have established because, mm-hmm. you know, cause he is her father. He cares about her. He wants her to be safe, but it also like immediately sets up that like what they're doing and the people that are out there are fucking dangerous and right. any wrong, any one, any one misstep can result in their death. Yeah. I'm telling you a good old fashioned rule breakdown in the science fiction or where something is, um, extraordinary from the, the world that you and I uh, currently live in and stuff. I am a big fan of the rules. Like you'll never hear me complain like, man, they took 30 seconds out of this thing to tell everybody what's going on. I'm never going to fucking say that stuff. Mm-hmm. So getting the, the breakdown of the, um, of the rules definitely illustrates the world a little bit better. And you're right. It gives us um, the audience a, a gauge of 
exactly like what kind of threats are in this world and how volatile those threats are. Yeah, yeah. So uh, how about Limbo? Did uh, anything pop out specifically for you? Oh, with the um, the word the world building and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, okay, yeah. It would this would be like um, like I said. So the um, the delivery of the of the big like explanation in the middle, I thought was a really mm. really good way to um, to build the world. As far as like the big reveal is like what's going on. That was a really great way to do it. And then all these kind of like little things that build up to that. Like first he, his wife shows up and everything. He's he's getting rid of the house. Then this guy um, shows up, like Zed shows up and everything like that. And they have this discussion and like, I can't remember the specifics, but like somewhere in there, um, I think like when he's like, when Zed picks up a piece of paper and August like slams it down, I think that's when we finally start to get the ball rolling as far as like the meat and potatoes of what's actually going on in the story. And, um, and you there's a little bit of like a nod as to what's going on as far as like the um, who went, who actually went missing and stuff when he says it's like, Oh, it's Cammy or something like that. has yeah. gone missing now. Uh, Zeb's um, sister, Cammy. Yeah. Zeb's Zeb's sister. Yes. Yeah. So when you get that little, like kind, when you get that little bomb of information only to then have it be expounded on later and then kind of twisted later, um, I thought that, that those were some really great examples of world building. Yeah, yeah. Um, with you on that, um, those, yeah, you're you're hitting that right in the head, um, and just sort of to to kind of uh, to kind of hit the point, like to sort of back up the point that you made, which is a great point about how we get like the the bigger reveal in the middle. Um, it also sort of grounds it as a drama first, and sci-fi second. Yes. Like you, you yes. really, you really get like the emotional weight of everything that's going on. You get the emotional weight of what August is going through. And then like when the sci-fi, I don't want to call it a twist, but like when, we, when we reveal more about the real circumstances of his imprisonment um, and the fact that he's being forced essentially to, you know, to relive this like super traumatic moment in his life. I'll, um, be from a different angle um, that like the sci-fi concept doesn't overwhelm. It just mm-hmm. adds. It just helps to pad the drama and make it even more kind of ratchet the drama up from a ten to an eleven. Yeah, and the fact that they um, it's completely reinforced what you're saying here by the fact that it starts off with very very dramatic themes and very dramatic elements. It even looks like you see it opens up with the dead of winter and stuff. There's mm-hmm. nothing sci-fi about this fucking house that that, that, that guy right. lives in, you know. Right. So um. There's that conflict with um, what appears to be his wife and everything, um, and then even just like Zeb coming over and these questions that are asked and stuff. It's it's grounded in a lot of like realistic dramatic themes, and then the science fiction comes along and kind of like it basically makes it better. It, yeah. it reinforces the drama but adds this cool, unique twist to it. So we're not just watching a story about a, a guy who was a suspect in the disappearance. Right. Exactly. And, and I, and I love that they waited essentially until the very end to sort of, you know, to like, Hey, we're going to do some, you know, there were some sci-fi visuals. Like you, like you said, like there's the part where he's sitting at a table and like a, he's in the middle of the Creek um, in his mm-hmm. memory. But I, I love how like we kind of just got little pieces of it until we got to the point where like the memory his memory prison i guess you'd call it is like completely disintegrating so like they waited mm-hmm. they waited for like the big whatever the visual they're going to spend the i'm assuming that was the most expensive visual they had um <clears throat> waiting until like the very end to sort of like really 
in this it very similar to how lights out waited to get to the climax of like the last literally the last second we mm-hmm. got we got to like the big dramatic climax almost the big dramatic climax i guess with about what like 30 seconds left 40 seconds left something so like that it's it's in that time yeah. frame yeah you bet dude and like uh, the way that um the way that they made that disintegrating house look top notch it was great that was, it was really top great. notch effects right there dude and it, it wasn't like um it wasn't just like watching a bunch of like sticks blow away in the wind there was a certain like fluidity to that destruction of the house that i it was not it's like you picked up on it but it wasn't overwhelming mm-hmm. which was cool yeah oh yeah very cool all right i want to dive into i want to dive into prospect here because i i, I think I, I don't I don't agree or, agree or disagree with me on this question here that I think that when you start to get to short films that do have a more complete, you know, first, second, third act or maybe like a first, second act um, that that you you do get some questions answered, but that also it leaves a lot of questions for you to kind of fill in on your own. Correct. Of course. Yes, okay. exactly. Which is something I like. I mean, I actually really enjoy that kind of that kind of stuff. So. Just real quickly here for you, um, in Prospect, how many missions do you think they've been on together? Like what, what, what the one that we're seeing? Like what does this feel like? Okay, so I, I thought about this as best I could. I'm going to explain my entire yeah. logic process here. If you want to punch holes in it, go fucking for it. <laughs> um, okay, so the girl herself—that's it's not an 18-year-old. You know what I'm saying? Like she probably she looks somewhere in like the early teens age. I, she's not a ten-year-old, yeah. but it's 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 not somebody who could buy cigarettes. Is what I'm the, the point I'm trying to make. Right. Here. So the mission total—you're probably looking at like one to three. And I say this because of the time that it would take to travel through space which I don't believe was, I mean, I, we have a ship, we know they have a ship, mm-hmm. we, we have the guidelines to power the ship, we have all of that stuff. But I don't believe that they ever really established any kind of criteria as to like how far away they were from other stuff. Right. So if, and believe me, like once again, completely hypothetical what I'm saying here. So like, let's just say, you know, mission number one, maybe she's like a toddler and it's like the father and the, the, the mom or something like that. So it's like father, son, baby on the first mission, they go get stuff. They have to fly back to earth. And by the time they're ready to take off her mission, number two, the daughter's older Then by the time they get to wherever they are going, she's a little older They go back to earth, sell some stuff, make mm-hmm. the money, go back. So like, it, it can't be that many missions. It's, it's not like a, um, if, if they were in double digits, I would be personally surprised. And like, like I said, a lot of this is just determined on how long it would take for them to go in between these locations and, and also how long they are there for. Right. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I got you on that one. It's interesting. I, I, I the thing like, obviously, well, uh, we'll get into this a little bit more, but like, obviously based on this, like, I, I just assume that they've never even been to earth at this point that it just would okay. be easier or maybe, or maybe they, they have been like once that it would just be easier to be wherever they are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it just, it would make their, it would make what their job is a lot easier if they're not, if they're not beholden to going back to some planet necessarily right. every time. But, but nonetheless, um, I, I agree with you on like, this is probably like mission number two that they've done it once. Maybe it resulted in them finding what they're looking for. Maybe not. But like the mission number one was sort of like just a nothing, 
whether or not they found anything, it, it was pretty easy. And we're at mission number two, so she feels confident. You know, obviously that obviously she mentioned before that um, you know when he's working, she's sketched before. So mm-hmm. and, and we don't know. Like maybe these missions last like two three weeks. You right. know what I mean? So like it, it looks like they're set up to be there for like at least like a few days, um, maybe even longer. Um, so like I think you're right. This is like an early mission because he's still quizzing her on everything they have to do. Um, you know, she knows the protocols. She generally knows how to find the Arlac, um, is what they're looking for, mm-hmm. which we could just call it the MacGuffin, um, if you want. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yep. but she generally knows how to find it, although she definitely doesn't look as experienced as her, as her father, but like she's, and, and like you said, like she's, I think tops, she's like 14, 15, like mm-hmm. tops that that's yeah. maybe more like 12 or 13. So yeah, I, I, I feel like this is like mission number two for her. Yeah, without a doubt, man. There there wasn't enough there to really give any like these people are so seasoned, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like and um the girl being younger, I think kind of plays into the whole like novice angle and stuff like that. So uh, around a couple of missions I feel is completely appropriate as far as like what they've done before. And yeah, and I'm I'm going to go ahead and guess we have the same answer for this one. If, especially since we're only guessing like maybe two or three tops, how many were hostile? I'd, I'd have to, okay, I'd have to say however many they have been on, um, I've, all of them are hostile. And my, my okay. methodology, my, my reasoning for this is um, there was an awful lot of fucking sadism in the way that that girl uh, killed Ooh, that yeah. guy and stuff. And, and I'm not, and believe me, that dude murdered her dad in cold blood. So, like, this well, tried totally to. tried to. Oh, tried to. Yeah, sorry. That's right. He did make it in the end. That's right. Yeah, he was living, in living the, um, yeah. after that. Yes. Um, so, totally deserving of that. But the fact that, um, number one, immediately goes for the gun goes on the hunt shoots the guy makes him take his mask off and then shoots him again that is seasoned combat right there there's no way in hell the first timer is doing all, is doing all that so like it's either it's either she's got a lot of like pent-up frustration and that was just something she was just been waiting to do forever or there's a certain level of experience there where you know she knows what she's doing I mean, yeah, like, it's a really, yeah, she fucking stone cold murders that dude. I mean, it's fucking, it's, 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 it's brutal actually. But, um, it's, yeah, I, I know, I, I can't disagree with that. Like you're a I like, it makes perfect sense. I kind of see it more as like, more as like, you know, she's been, because her dad's always like kind of drilling in her head that this is dangerous. This is hard. This is what you have to do. It's sort of like he actually did prepare her and like that fight or flight reactions clicked and she just mm-hmm. knew, it, you know, it became fight, not flight. Yeah. And she just like, because she was so well trained, she knew what to do and just went for it. But yeah, the, the last shot where she just fucking, you think that like, all right, I got the guy in the gut. He's, he's got his helmet off. He's going to choke to death in the air, presumably anyway. And then she's just like, no, you know what? I'm going to pull one right between his eyes. That, <laughs> right. that was some stone cold shit. <laughs> Yeah, and I I know that this is another one that's that's kind of like been expanded upon and everything yes. like that. And yeah. the um I haven't seen the expanded version. I of, have so not Pedro Pat Pedro Pascal's in, yep. and God knows that's one of my man crushes right there. Um, there's 
if this was the expanded version, like let's just say that the prospect of what we saw was the first like 10 to 15 minutes of the movie, you know, like yeah. the, the, the feature length presentation, that is the moment where the girl is solidified as not only the protagonist, but an active protagonist. Yeah. That's one of the people like, I'm going to get the gun. I'm going to do this. Like it's not a passive protagonist, which, um, mm-hmm which you need in these sci-fi stories. And if this whole thing would have caught on and become a franchise, like that, that girl could have been like a, um, like a Helen Ripley type character as far as like film iconoclasm goes. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, no, you're, you're probably right there. I have to, I have to imagine that if I have to imagine that her killing someone without having seen the, the full length, uh, a version of this, um, I have to imagine that her like stone cold killing someone like that has to come at the end, right? It would have to like it. There's unless that killing sets off a major, major chain of events. I would think that the movie's development of the, 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 the story of the girl that we would see in the movie is like more like a coming of age story where mm-hmm. this girl, um, you know, is now like, not only has she learned the, the, you know, the, the numbers and like, you know, the information about where she is, mm. but she's also learned like the survival skills to exist in this world and, mm. and continue to live. Right. 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 Uh, best guess as to what Aurelac is or does. Okay. I'm thinking like, it's gotta be healing or like a, a body enhancement type thing. Like you okay. maybe rub it on yourself or something. And, um, I, that's really all I could get with it. I, I I couldn't see them drinking it or smoking it. It looked like slime. So some type of like, um, putting it on yourself for something and then it does something to you. That that's my best guess. Yeah. We have this, we have the same idea. Medicine chem is the word you're looking for. Medicine, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just, I like, again, like it's it, in, they actually name it in the, they actually, in the movie, it's like a jewel. It's like, it, it like you refine it and it becomes like jewelry basically it's like finding diamonds um okay. in the movie i'm assuming that when they wrote this version there was no there wasn't like it, it was again it's just a MacGuffin. it's just a fucking thing um but yeah like i i, I had the same idea like we're it's clearly like with their haul they said it was going to be worth like a, like over a million dollars um mm-hmm. and it's clearly organic and it's coming you know it looks like these like bugs are the ones that are helping to produce it. Um, so it, or at least like bugs can live in it. So like, it, it's gotta be organic and who's going to pay a shitload of money for like organic stuff, pharmaceutical companies, cause they can do something with it. Um, right. so I just, again, I just assumed that that was uh, probably medicine as well. Same. We basically had the same idea. It makes me wonder if they like if somewhere in this world there's like these um, almost like trading posts, like intergalactic trading posts that they would take this stuff to, and they they meet like the the galaxy's equivalent of like Rick Harrison from Pawn Stars, where it's like, oh, you got one point <laughs> two million dollars worth of Arlac. I'm going to give you seven hundred fifty in store credit. <laughs> you know? it's, well, it sounds, you know what, just based on like based on like the bandits the bandit himself, and based on sort of like the way they're talking about it. It almost does sound like that, like they were going to go to the equivalent of an interplanetary pawn shop, because mm-hmm. like there are people clearly that are going to come kill you and take it, and it's and like if it was like some official like government sanctioned like trading post, would they want people killing each other? Well, maybe maybe they wouldn't care, but 
<laughs> point being that, like, you know, it's one of those places that doesn't ask questions about where the stuff comes from. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha, for sure. And there's something I was going to ask you. Can't remember what it was. I'll, I'll get, I'll, oh, okay. I'll circle back to it for sure. Um, so does this, so does, does prospect answer enough questions for you to make this compelling? Oh, without a doubt. Okay. It, it gives, it gives me the basics. Like I got all the basics that I need and the questions that I have after getting the basic information, cause I, you know, I'm just with time and everything, there's just a lot more questions that I want to, that I want to know about the world, mm-hmm. the characters, the, the bad guys themselves, like who the hell are these bad guys and these like weird tentacle, like tubes on their suits and stuff like that. Um, th- there's just, there are, and that's, that's what I want. Like when it comes to like, um, something like this, you don't have to get too complicated. It's only 12 minutes long. You don't have the time to get complicated. So give me the basics, create a cool story around the basics. And then with this, with the world building that you've done, which you've done the appropriate, I mean, there's always going to be more world building that could be done. I'm a big world builder guy, Mm -hmm. but for what, what they did, it's enough. And then it gives me the opportunity to formulate my own questions about the, the work. Maybe like maybe some of the stuff gets answered in the expanded version, but I highly doubt it because um, I like I didn't know about the expanded version until I did this. So it couldn't have been that successful of a movie. Right. right. But uh, um, but uh, it it's kind of like lost where you get questions answered, but with those answers, you then get to formulate better, more intriguing and much cooler questions mm-hmm. to be answered at a later time. I like that comparison a lot. That's a really good way to think about it. And I, I asked that question because I asked this particular question in the outline before I before I get to the next one here um, for you. I asked that question because like the things that I the questions that I had had nothing to do with like, it wasn't like something was unanswered in the story. Like I wasn't confused about their relationship. I wasn't confused about what they were doing, why they were doing it. Um, it was just questions. Like it was more like, I want to know more questions. You've, right. you've created such a good, you've created such a good thing here that I want to know more about it. It's not, you created something that I don't understand. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Just give me, let me create the desire to want more, you know, yeah. let me create the questions that makes me want more. Yeah. So yeah. So just real quickly, did you have any specific lingering questions that you're, that you oh, just want, that you would love to have answered? Just in general, what the hell happens next? She looks yeah. up at the sky and the ships are going away. Like, I want to know what happens. Like, they get off. What happens with this product? Do they ever get the money? Mm-hmm. Like who the hell are these bad guys? Are there more of them? Like, do they all have the same kind of suits? Like, do they all have cigarettes, even though there's no tobacco anywhere in the galaxy? Like how does this, <laughs> how, what, what happens here? You know? Yep. Yep. No, I was, I Yeah. Just, that was like, the, that was the question. I was just like, boy, I just need to know more about all of them. Like it, mm-hmm. th- this is, I think again, this is one of those, when, when your short film has done its job, it leads to that question. Like there are those questions like, I want to know more about this. What about this? What about this? What about this? Yeah. Like the whole leaving them on the edge of their seat things, totally what's going on here for sure. Mm. All right. Let's switch gears here to limbo. Um, and specifically with limbo, what do you think of the idea of this punishment? Not, not specifically to August. Obviously he's our, our subject that we're watching, but um, to describe it out there for everyone. Um, our main character, August is in a memory prison where he is forced to relive um, a really traumatic event in his life, or he what he thinks, I mean, it is a traumatic event in his life, but what he thinks is the kidnapping of his daughter, 
um, is actually been twisted because he is the prime suspect uh, in the kidnapping of his daughter's friend. And so mm-hmm. he is forced to relive that that day or those days, if you will, um, or re- for I don't know. I don't know what the time period exactly is, but he's forced to relive this time in his life, thinking the entire time that he, that his daughter has been kidnapped. Um, so what do you think of that sort of punishment? OK, like I'm familiar with like the idea of like the personal hell punishment in movies like uh, Bill and Ted's bogus journey kind of dabbles into this idea of, you know, when they're all kind of stuck in their own personal hells for that brief point in time. Mm -hmm. But the idea of this like memory prison, like this, this like punishment and this, um, what is it? You are going to live the the crime you're accused Mm -hmm. of doing type on thing. Very, very impressive with this. Um, I thought about this for a while, and I even I, I watched the, the Limbo twice, and I still couldn't think of anything that was similar to this. It, it, it sounds like something that I, I should be able to reference immediately, but I couldn't. And with that being what it is, I really liked it. I, I, this to me could be a, a fresh idea. This could be something that did, you know, that the, the twilight zone did 50 years ago. Um, I, I don't know, but I was very impressed with the idea of this, you know, kind of you living the crime type thing. And it's a really interesting perspective on the idea of like the mental prison, the personal hell. I think it's really good. Yeah, I, 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 I did Chema, I did the exact same thing where I, I really tried to rack my brain and go back and think of all the movies. And there's plenty a lot of sci-fi movies have done similar concepts in terms of like a in terms of a mental prison, mental torture, um, or even like you know, or even like just sort of like warehousing the brain, warehousing the consciousness, um, in terms of imprisonment. But I, I really can't think of one that specifically was like, not only are you going to be in a mental prison, in a, a memory prison but also like let's just say like you know someone murdered somebody well instead we're gonna have someone else murder your wife over Mm -hmm. and over and over again and you have to live with that with the act and then like the fallout of everything that's happened since um and you know it's it's one part punishment and uh, and according to the you know the woman who i I, I don't know if she was a lawyer or just a sales representative i mean i don't exactly know what she her role was specifically but the way that the way that she sort of phrases it as a reconditioning that you'll learn empathy by right. by having to sit on that end of your crime um, as long as you like you know as long as you admit that you're guilty I guess it'd be kind of like an Alfred plea um, like admitting that you're not admitting that you're guilty but admitting that like you can't prove your own innocence um, mm-hmm. but like sort of the idea that it's reconditioning even though it doesn't really actually seem like it is um, I, I really can't think of of anything that's done the same thing. And I'm not saying like this is like earth an earth shattering idea, it, but it is a really interesting way to turn something that we've seen before and just give it like a little bit more spice. Right, like we've seen reconditioning in A Clockwork Orange, um, even a Homecoming on Amazon uh, mm-hmm. dabbled into the idea of reconditioning. Um, I have to rewrite something I've been working on because it deals in reconditioning. Westworld had reconditioning, yep. so like reconditioning is hot right now, is what oh, I'm yeah. trying to say. <laughs> and um, I have to rewrite something because I don't want to be one of those guys but um i got on that bandwagon way before all these other things did but that's another story for another time <laughs> and um the, the the way that they present like reconditioning 
as this punishment. And then the idea of you having to live with it over and over again to like get that empathy and stuff, that is that extra layer that um, really separates this from other kind of things that are in the same vein. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's always some reason for the reconditioning. It's like, hey, we want to make Alex not violent or whatever it is. But with this it's it's a tad more highbrow. It's it's like it's one of those things like with the John Carpenter stuff and like some of the the elements of his movies. Mm-hmm. Th- this is one of those highbrow things that um, you only know it when you see it kind mm-hmm. of type deal. Yeah, yeah. No, I got you there. Um, yeah, and I agree with that. Um, does August do or show enough for you to accept his perceived innocence? I mean, we're I, I'm just assuming that we're supposed to accept the innocence otherwise this movie's got a very strange ending if he's not um yeah but does is there like does august do or show enough for you you know something dude like i don't think that he actually does and it's um there's a lot of different things that factor into this whole thing Uh, even just the way that the setup is shot of this Mm -hmm. guy in this lonely house and stuff and this like relationship that he has with his wife where he's clearly he's still in it she is not you know um his overall demeanor and everything, there was never really any like moments of passion where he passionately defended himself. Like I didn't do this, you know, and what we saw in the prison, that is some level of like him kind of defending himself, you know, like I didn't do this. I am innocent, but there wasn't like a big showcase where it's just one shot on him and a really kind of poetic explanation. Mm -hmm. So any type of assumed innocence that, that he has it's i feel it's like the um audience is really kind of like taking a liberty with certain things and like and once again like this is just like my opinion of it but i just believe that if they were going to try to present 100 percent pure innocence they wouldn't have done it and they wouldn't have they wouldn't have presented this character in such this ambiguous way yeah yeah no i i got you there i i think <sighs> I, I I needed basically I just needed one quick scene or or some kind of flash of something that would have provided like one hundred percent clarity on his innocence because like when we get to the end so um, at the end his you know well at this point I guess his estranged daughter I, I don't know how many years it's been I would guess probably it's like been about a decade um, mm-hmm. since um, you know since he was I- imprisoned. Um, uh, but so like at the end he gets broken out by his estranged daughter and, um, the, the girl who went missing and was presumably dead, um, her brother Zeb. And it would be very strange if we have this like really, this really cool, like we said, like when the, the house disintegrates and like we're pulled out of his memories, it's this really cool moment, a really cool effect. And it is, it is pretty touching to see father and daughter come together it would be very fucking bizarre, though, like, if, but when he escapes, or they're trying to escape, if he decides to stay because he's guilty. Then it just sort of, like, wipes away all that other shit. that Because he, he's a fucking child molester and murderer. Right, 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 of course. Yeah, that's that's exactly right, yeah. And the, the whole thing with, like, the, the daughter and stuff like that, like, that's that's the part where you where you kind of said before, where it really started to feel like a something we had seen before and everything. Mm-hmm. And if they're 
was any part of this that I would omit. I think it might be that part where the, the just because everything else is so different leading up to that point. Here's uh, real quickly. I'll just tell you what I would do. I would insert like that's like Zeb. Zeb is walking through his memories, um, and like he he gets some piece of information from August's memory that clears him. Maybe something that August yeah. didn't even realize that would have cleared him. You know what I mean? Like it's right. it's just there in his memory. Like oh yeah, I remember looking at this or doing this at the time, and Zeb knows that that would be like one of the things that would point to his innocence. And then at the end, we get we get the scene like. Hey, you know, real quickly, this we don't, we don't have much time left. Then he gets that moment with his daughter. We get the swirling, the really cool swirling house effect, disintegrating house effect, and then it ends with, you know, with uh, what's her, what's his daughter's name, Lily, Lily, mm-hmm. and it ends with Lily and Zeb like out in the real world, you know, looking over her father, like he's innocent. We know it now, even though we can't get him out of here. Right. I gotcha. Yeah. Like the, um, they did so, they did a couple of things with like showing his memory and showing like, Hey, this has already happened and stuff like some kind of thing that shows where he was, even if it's him like cheating on his wife. Right. I, it it could be something bad that he's doing to his wife, but it still vindicates him from the worst crime, which is the fact he's accused of kidnapping, molesting, whatever it is, this, this, this girl and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It just again, it, it's it's not like it, it's not like this movie is like terrible or anything. It's just I felt like that would have kind of kept it away from being from looking and feel the ending from looking and feeling like a lot of sci-fi movies. So, um, right. so just to just to continue on that, are you like were you like really surprised when we get the reveal of what's going on from Zeb? Are you just like a little bit surprised that he doesn't seem fucking angry that he's confronting directly confronting his sister's alleged and assumed guilty kidnapper, molester, murderer? Yeah, a little more emotion there would have helped out. <laughs> not going to lie. Um, and the thing is, is that they don't really there's no real payoff for that behavior at all. Yeah. You know, like it's um, it's it's kind of it's kind of muted. It's kind of monotone. And it's like. If you're going to be this muted, this this monotone um, in your approach to this guy who may have killed, kidnapped your sister, or molested or whatever that crime may be, then you should have just said that he's innocent right out loud. There shouldn't have been any mystery to there. You yeah. know? And that would have then provided us with that moment where we know he's innocent, which could then reinforce a different ending. But the fact that there was no emotion, I think kind of clouded up some of the, um, some of my ability to like kind of follow the story in the same way that I followed the story for some of these other short films. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I don't know. It's just, it's like one of these deals where it's like, yeah, if you are asking these questions, you should kind of be a little bit pissed off about it. Because if you're not, it just, I don't know, it, it, it's, once again, it, there's no, like, familiarity with somebody questioning somebody who's accused, like, no one does that. No one's like, oh, my God, I'm so calm. I'm going to walk up to the guy who may have kidnapped my sister. Hey, buddy, I'm Zeb. How you doing? Yeah. Like, it, it, it doesn't work like that. And because there's, um, because that scene is so out of character for what we know about how those situations are in real life or how they would be in real life, it, 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 it it's a little cloudy. It, it just mm-hmm. kind of throws throws me off a little bit. Uh, me as well. Um, and I, 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 yeah, I co-sign all of that. And I'll, that leads me to my next question. So do you think there was something that Lily, August's daughter, said to Zeb? 
to kind of convince him to come along on this because like I I'm not really sure that I would be that interested in in this mission in terms of in terms of like what Zeb's interest would be. Yeah, I would think that she would have had to tell them like like yeah, dude, my dad August is innocent and there's more to this. Like that's the only way I could ever think of this guy wanting to even get on board with something like that. You know, like even go a break in attempt into a government or whatever it is facility that somehow this these novices managed to yeah. do so easily and, and stuff like that. Uh, um, there's definitely a little bit more that could have been, been in there, but I, I would have to think that the only way that I'm getting motivated to do that is if what I have known to believe is wrong and you're capable of proving that. Yeah. There's I, I, again, probably in a full length movie in a full feature, there would have been, she would have had something to give him. Like that would have again cast an extreme amount of doubt on mm-hmm. uh, you know on um, you know on the fact that the, that her father was found guilty of this, like again again there's like something that could have like un- like okay I'll at least like entertain this idea because of whatever it is that you have whatever piece mm-hmm. of info that you have and obviously in a movie of twenty five minutes don't really have that chance to 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 sort of insert that scene but. Uh, yeah, I'm just with you on that. There just had to be something that she said that cast an extreme amount of doubt. Um, so just to, to wrap up here on this one, um, why do you think August opted to uh, try to not try and escape? You know, I'm, I'm struggling with this one. This is like the one question, like even me writing an outline was one I struggled with. And I, it's either like to me, it's either one of these things where he is so in his own reality that he doesn't even believe his daughter is real. You know, like he's been living in this memory prison for so long that, yeah, that whatever his daughter showing up, this just can't possibly be true. Or the simple thing, which probably is not the case is that this dude is just one fucking glutton for punishing himself. And that's how he gets off. That's the only two things I could think of. Yeah. I, again, like I really hope, that I hope that it's something about the idea that like of, of him, of him essentially living this very bizarre manipulated life for the past, you know, however long I, I I'm just assuming it's been like about a decade or so um, could have been longer for all we fucking know. Um, mm-hmm. But that like, he's been living it for so long that like he can't, there's not really like a, a hope for him to repair and try to catch up with mm-hmm. his daughter that like it's it's like it's just not going to work because right. the other option is that like hey by the way i definitely raped and murdered your friend and so right. i belong here and that's a fucking dark ass way to end a movie like this yeah that's like it's it's so dark that it's one of these like the guy can't do that. He could do a whole bunch of other bad stuff except that, right. you know, like I said, he could have cheated on his wife. He could have, he could have bankrupted them or whatever, whatever it is. But it's like having him just be guilty at the end. Then why was he telling this person that he's innocent? There's, there's a lot of things that could be thrown off if he, that is the case. Chema, he literally, and maybe this would have been kind of an interesting twist for this. He literally could have killed someone else. And he's just yeah. going to jail for the wrong crime. Oh, that's another good thing. That's another good point. You Very know, like, good point. Oh, like, yeah. Like an unintentional death. And like, right. he's just like, well, fuck it, whatever. I'm going to, I'm, they pinned me for the wrong thing, but 
you know, I did I did kill somebody. I don't know how you fit that into a movie this short, but like you're right. He literally could have killed someone else, but you can't fucking kill that girl. Like that's right. you can't do that. And and then have the movie have like an opt have the have the movie have that kind of closure. Yeah, ex- dude, ex- exactly. Yes, that's yeah. It's just you can't do. I don't know, man. There's. I almost think that like that. If they were, to, if that would have been the case, that he's actually. That's it's not cheap. It's just fucking dumb. You know, like <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's like how do you, how do you guys as directors, as storytellers, scriptwriters who are behind this, how do you put something together that is so well thought out? only to end it with something that is just complete fucking stupidity. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's like you guys, like, what did you do? Like you, you learned and studied screenwriting about all the cool inventive stuff, but you never studied the fundamentals of it. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like it's, it's ending is definitely where, where it, uh, where it lacks. Um, that's mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so for both of these, um, you can throw out one, two, doesn't really matter. But for both of these, which character do you think needs a touch more screen time? Okay. The with um Prospect, the attacker, the the bandits and everything who mm-hmm. shot the father and stuff, we need to know more about the antagonistic forces on this planet. One hundred percent. You know, like I, I think that um while having this, you know, no name kind of thing or whatever, like, yeah, it's okay, but it would have been so cool to just kind of know what else is out there. We got enough about like where they are in terms of the world that they're in and stuff, but I want to know a little bit more about the strength and the, and the stakes behind these antagonistic forces. Definitely. And like, even, and with limbo, like we, we need more time just even with August and every, we need more time Mm -hmm. with every fucking character in that movie and stuff. And it's not like, dude, I'm not saying that, Oh my God, we didn't get enough time with them. It sucks. But I'm just saying that that is so what I saw, I really enjoyed. And the only way for, I think me to feel like that level of satisfaction that, that I, that I want to achieve is to just have more time with these people. Like the, this, the story idea and everything is like, it's, it's great. And this worked really well in a short film, but I kind of think that it's on the cusp of just being slightly too good for a short film. Mm -hmm. Like that there, that this whole thing could be expanded in so many ways and still work. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I 100% agree with you. I'll, I'll go ahead and, and do like a, a little, a little double daily double here for you. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I agree that like in prospect, I would, I can actually go either the dad or the bandit either way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Just to fill out a few more things. Um, like you said, to find out more about the, antag- the antagonistic forces, maybe just give him some motivation for why he's willing to fucking kill someone or try to kill someone in cold blood. Um, mm-hmm. And then, you know, on the flip side, kind of see the dad at work, see, you know, and then get a little bit more information. You know, their mom's not there. Her mom's not there. Right. Is she dead? Is she waiting somewhere else? Is, you know, you know what I mean? Like if just a little bit more info yeah. time with the dad, could we get us a little bit more background info, uh, which have been good. Um, Limbo, it's, it's really less about, it's really less about a specific person. And I would like to see more, about like what this what the supposed crime was just mm-hmm. like a little more information on the crime um to fill in to fill in whether or not august is actually innocent or not and and that's sort of like it, as far as chema as far as you know turning these into full-length features two of them already have been with prospect and limbo i totally forgot that limbo was um but prospect or uh, lights out excuse me um but prospect and lights out already full fulling features 
Um, I like the idea of a standby TV show that we kind of tossed out there, but I, mm-hmm. but I think the idea, the idea in Limbo, the the center of this, like the the sci-fi concept, and then the idea of like someone having to prove their innocence through that to to the person who they probably most affected, would be a mm-hmm. really interesting full length two hour movie. Oh yeah, with without a doubt, dude. And let, let me can I ask you a quick question? Like, sure. do you think that? Um, they named the characters Lily and Cammy specifically like a, a similar sounding names because the, the reason that I asked this is because like, you're right, dude, getting a little bit more on this crime would 100% help it out. And I also think that like by changing one of these names, so they don't end in the I sound may make things a little less confusing too, you know, mm. cause like when you get, when you get the initial setup of this, I'm hearing Lily and Cammy and stuff like that. It just kind of all sounds like the, the same name to yeah, me. Yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah. And like, and because you're, you know, it's his daughter being kidnapped, murdered, whatever the reverse, the, the invert, the reverse of like the, the crime he's accused of. I, I just think that there's some little things that could be done to, smooth the understanding process and the, the understanding process. I mean, for the audience as to like what is going on overall. Mm. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I, I agree with you that there's, this is, this is like part of the reason why I picked this one. I mean, I enjoy it, but I think that this one has, this one has the most opportunity for like, if, if, if someone were to give this to, um, this, this feels like a fucking Denny Villeneuve movie in the making. And if yeah. someone were to give this to him, I think he could make a fucking really interesting, really interesting sci-fi drama out of this. That it just it just needs more time and it needs a little bit more polish. Dude, even in look, this looks like a Villeneuve movie. It does. Like, there's just something. There's something about the the character, the his appearance, and everything, and the the way it's shot. It just this feels Villeneuve all the way. Yeah, yeah, totally. I know. I, yeah, it just yeah. This yeah. That, that's that's part of the reason. Yeah. Part of the reason why I picked this, I have, I had a feeling that we'd have a lot to discuss with it. Um, and there's, you know, to it's, it's again, like it's not bad that I have very specific questions, um, but it is sort of a sign that maybe, you know, maybe it's not the strongest of all the films, but certainly, the, but, I, but I think at the center, the concept has like the most to provide in terms of like doing something else with it. Mm-hmm. Definitely, for sure. All right, Chema. So that does it for uh, that does it for my selections here. Um, I have honorable mentions, but I think we should just wait until we get to your half of the your your episode, and we'll just throw them all together. And we yeah, can, that's like, great. Fill some time and talk about them there. But um, just so just a quick recap: um, my movies were Lights Out, Stand By, Prospect, and Limbo. And I will put these all in our. I'll put links to all of them uh, when I when I post this online. But uh, yeah, dude, this was um, this was a, definitely a fun first first half of this. Um, like, I'm really looking forward to diving into your movies. Um, I'm glad. I was kind of worried that we would have like I, I I mentally always default to like sci-fi and horror stuff. It's just like where I, my brain lives, and I'm right. glad that for the most part you went in a different direction. Yeah, and dude, it's weird. Like all the movies I chose all came out around the same time. They did, yeah. Yeah, and I'll tell you, the methodology behind that is um, I was just graduating from college in, like, 2010 and stuff. So this was in my, like, when I was still 
kind of talking to people that I hung out with at CSU and stuff before we all kind of, you know, dwindled off into, uh, into our own lives and everything. So this was like a big kind of like, um, you know, this was like a big, like kind of like short filmy time getting into some other stuff. So it's a really weird coincidence that they all kind of fell in the same, they all kind of fell at the same time. Mm -hmm. But I I will explain the reasons for picking the movies that I did when we do the episode for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Really looking forward to it. Um, Oh, just real quick, which, which one of these do you think you'd be most interested in, in spinning into something bigger? And would you make it like a movie or TV show? Okay. So the thing, the thing that's really like setting the fire under me is prospect. There's a lot of fun that I could have with that. But since, since that has already been done, Mm -hmm. I'm going to take it like, I'm going to go with standby. Like standby is something that I personally feel I could have a whole lot of fun with. And it's something that has not been expanded on yet. So there is just a lot that I could do there. I would definitely do it as a show. Like I, I almost feel that like a movie still might not even be enough with these guys. Like mm-hmm. there's just, I enjoy them a lot. I think that they should have a lot of screen time together. There's a great contrast between the two characters. So if I'm going to expand on something, it's going to be standby into a TV show. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Good choice. Excellent choice. Let's, uh, let's get cracking on a writing session for that. Uh, oh yeah. The, the six the, hours, the, of Gem- <laughs> the six hour writing session for a, for a single camera cop car comedy. Yeah, that, let's do it, dude. Right after we do the episode on Saturday, I'm gonna I'm gonna call my one buddy up and I'm like, we're gonna put our six hour writing session on hold for next time, and you and I are gonna have one and we're gonna do this. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All right, man. Um, I have nothing else for this uh, for this episode other than this is a lot of fun, and I am definitely looking forward to digging into your movies. Um, I, got, I got a lot. There's a lot there. There's a lot of meat on that bone too. Amazing that again. This is just because we fucking talk so much. Um, in something that covers less than 50 minutes, we managed to talk for almost two hours. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's, it was like our five good topics episode that lasted three hours yep. or whatever, or no, the, the election one that had like four yes. questions that somehow turned into a three and a half hour yep. episode. Yep. Yep. <laughs> definitely. All right, Chum, you want to lead us out of here? I definitely will, man, for sure. Everybody out there, welcome, or thank you very much for listening to part number one of our short film festival, soon to be followed up with part two, which will be coming at you soon. This is Adam Chemilewski and Matthew Pagel for the Occasionalist Podcast, wishing you all the best, and we will see you next time.